1: this is God's Truth in Action.
0: And welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Pastor John Kane from Nacogdoches, Texas. You know, today uh, we're talking about education in these uh, very interesting times that we live in, and we have a special guest today. We have uh, the president of uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, Reverend Dr. Lawrence Rast, Jr. Welcome to the program, Larry
2: thanks John It's great to be here with you and to be with all the folks
0: so this is an interesting time you've got uh, things starting up again on campus
2: yep we've just begun our one hundred and seventy sixth academic year so we had a we're having finishing up a celebration of our one hundred and seventy five and looking back to all that God has done uh, in bringing together kind of a ragtag group of German immigrants and then leading them forward into uncertain futures and being faithful to them so that uh, we today can uh, pick up that torch and carry it forward and keep proclaiming Christ to a world that certainly needs to hear of uh, the salvation he's won for us.
0: So you're also a professor of history, uh, relig- history, uh, re- re- history religion, yep. and uh, as well as being a uh, president of a seminary. So uh, w- as we enter perhaps uncertain times, or we look back at the 20-year anniversary of 9/11, and we, you know, we we're trying to chart the future through COVID and all the other things. Are there some lessons that maybe we can pick up from the past to uh, uh, steer a course for the future?
2: That's a great question. I uh, you know, I think um, too many of us, and I was one of them when I when I was learning history as a kid, just thought of it as a bunch of names and dates and. Data to be memorized briefly and then forgotten as soon as you took the exam. Uh, but in time, you begin to realize there are some stories here. There are patterns that emerge and 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 ways that folks have addressed real big challenges in the in the history of uh, not only the church but also in our nation uh, that can can help us uh, as we try and chart a path into the future. One of the basic things that I remind myself of, and I try to remind other folks of, is that uh, essentially the, uh, the, we we kind of pine, we kind of long for this perfect past that once existed. And I remind folks that the people who were making their way through those tough times back then thought they were just as bad as the times we find ourselves in now. And uh, somehow they found a way through their challenges. And brought us to the place where we are so our task is to find our way through the challenges we face now and prepare the way for folks down the path once uh, we're with the lord in heaven and uh, uh that's kind of the big picture use of history but then as you look at more narrow kind of uh, examples you can begin to find ways where people really struggled with persecution or Elements, you know, things that just came out of the clear blue sky, it seemed that they weren't prepared for. And the human will to make a way through is uh, remarkable to see in action. And when you add God's grace to that, really amazing things can happen.
0: Why don't you define that for our listeners, God's grace?
2: Sure. And, and, and the way I think of it is uh, as God's undeserved love and mercy toward us. Uh, that finds its root in Jesus Christ, the one who came to us and lived for us and died in our place so that we would have a relationship with God the Father and have the promise of everlasting life. Uh, so grace is all undeserved. It's a pure gift, and it's something something simply to be received through faith uh, as uh, as undeserved but nevertheless life-changing. So that's kind of how I think of that. And, uh, and when you begin to kind of reflect on that and, and, uh, dwell on that in terms of your own life and the, and the manner in which you address these kind of challenges that we'll be talking about, uh, it can really kind of transform everything, uh, in terms of, uh, moving from frustration and anger and, and, and that sort of perspective to one that says, how can I help my neighbor? How can I share the love I have received? from God first of all with others who are struggling in the present time
0: so your attitude for daily living can be informed by the faith well put and 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 you're preparing uh church workers mm-hmm. um but there's there's probably some lessons to be learned that are great across the board for you know keeping our eyes on the right things or you know, being a, a good witness, or or being a person who is strengthened and bolstered um, for facing challenges. you have any uh, suggestions
2: for us? Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful question. Uh, we here uh, as a seminary actually do our education uh, typically at the master's degree level. That's the majority of our students. There are also some who are trying to, to uh, pursue a doctorate uh, as well. So it's everybody above bachelor's level study, um, and, but also includes some folks who have bachelor's level life experience. We can admit people uh, in that regard too. But what that means is we're a, we're a school and schools can become a little ivory towerish at times and folks can get a little detached from real life if you let them. In fact, our campus when it was built in the 1950s was purposefully put as far outside of town as it possibly could be so that the students would not be distracted by the world, which is really an interesting thing if you think about it. Uh, Now, of course, the town has grown around us and we very purposefully make sure that our students are engaged day to day with the world. So it's not just all a bunch of theological talk jargon that sort of thing we we study very hard we work at the ac- academic side of things very very purposefully but all of this in the end is to serve people and to help them deal with the challenges of this life particularly in terms of the spiritual challenges that are so pronounced at the present time and so we've uh, for more than 100 years actually have required that our students do what we call field work. Uh, And that means that uh, every week they're going off to a local congregation and working with people. And that keeps them grounded, that keeps them connected uh, to real life. We also require a full year of what we call vicarage, which is a kind of internship where students, both those who are going to be pastors and, and women who are going to be deaconesses spend a full year Actually, working in a local congregation, typically not in Fort Wayne, uh, learning the ropes, as it were, and dealing with the real things and and engaging real people, because that's uh, there's a kind of learning involved in that that is is absolutely crucial for pastors and deaconesses and lay people as well to have. We all work in this together. We all reinforce one another. We raise the kind of questions. For one another, that we can then turn to the scriptures to uh, find answers for, and to uh, work together in our lives as God's people to uh, to serve well, uh, both in terms of proclamation of the gospel, but also in terms of helping people who are in need. So it's, uh, uh, it, I mean, um, to that end, we you know we do the the classic kind of classes, and you have all the the academic stuff, and we you know we throw fourteen hundred books at the students and weigh them down. But uh, but we also spend a lot of time uh, engaged with people in real-life situations and encourage lay people to be part of this as well, because what we're talking about isn't just academic theology. It's real life and struggling with changing circumstances and uh, dealing with a <laughs> a very disrupted situation in our, our country at the present time and our world.
0: So does what the world is going through, do those events change in any way the balance of uh, uh, the education or how it's presented or, uh, or the experience that the students have?
2: Yes, they do, and uh, they do in very basic kind of ways. Um, as we're moving towards the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this week, I was thinking back to uh, September 11, 2001, here in uh fort wayne and uh, we had uh we had our chapel service we have it every day at 10 o'clock and um, the pastor who was preaching that day from the from the area was richard radke who was pastored then since retired at st paul lutheran church one of the founding churches of the lutheran church missouri Synod, established in 1837 so uh, uh dick who's a great guy uh drew the lot to preach on that day and of course we know yeah, everything happened early morning and by the time we got to 10 o'clock we had a we had a changed world on our hands just in two hours everything had changed and and it was really impressive uh and remarkable to me how he he preached on the event he brought the text to bear on a real world situation that we were engaged with in real time and uh, you know, I, our, our students, everybody was in shock. We we're all kind of, we we're terribly dismayed about what had occurred. But to uh, to see how a pastor had taken that circumstance, had taken the unchanging word of God, the truth, and then applied it to our radically new circumstances, was probably one of the most impressive learning situations I've ever been in, frankly. And it happened, again, it just happened in real time. It happened, it was happening within minutes. Uh, sometimes things take a little bit longer. You know, you have a cultural shift that takes place over the course of 50 years. Um, we have a tendency to think that whatever we went through as students is the way it's always been. Uh, as a historian, I remind folks that we've been doing it different ways, uh, really, from the beginning. And uh, and we adapt ourselves to new circumstances. We hold fast to that which does not change, namely Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, uh, but we also then are very sensitive to uh, circumstances as they present themselves to us. And we work very hard to prepare our our students for those changing circumstances, always knowing that uh, we aren't very good prophets uh, and that... Uh, what our students will face, the younger folks will face, is probably something we haven't anticipated yet.
0: So you mentioned the unchanging gospel. Can you, can you define that gospel for us a little
2: bit? Sure, uh, and and it has its center in Jesus Christ, uh, beginning and end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, but the gospel of of Jesus Christ, we've captured as as Lutherans as part of the Reformation tradition in several sayings that some folks may know some may not but to do them in latin since i'm seminary professor sola scriptura sola fide sola gratia uh solus christus uh, everything is about christ alone and his grace alone which we receive through faith alone which we learn from the bible alone from scripture alone Uh, and these emphases on scripture as our sole authority Uh, pointing to Jesus Christ as the one who lived God's law perfectly in our place, suffered the penalty for human sin once for all, died and rose again so that we might have eternal life. That's the heart of the gospel right there. It's all about Jesus for you and for me.
0: That's a powerful message, and we can spend our whole uh, lives, professional (laughs) lives, uh, especially uh, preaching about it, studying it, and uh, never run out of those riches. It's a wonderful, wonderful message that uh, that we live under God's love and under His forgiveness, and all of that uh, has been earned for us by Jesus. So we don't have to worry about ourselves. We can worry about right. other folks. So
2: exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly.
0: So, what's on your heart for our our
2: world? Um, great. Again, a great question. Um, a couple of years ago. I was invited by the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, after one of our church conventions, you know, so we get have this big brouhaha and everybody gets together and it's uh, a week long of, uh, of uh, parliamentary procedure. Uh, <laughs> and then after that, we get back to work, right? And so the president of the Synod invited me to, and his team invited me to come to St. Louis and to speak to leadership of our church body about they said, talk about whatever you want, something historical or whatever. And so I thought, well, what can I say that would be more than just, more than just a story and more than, than just data, uh, you know, as I mentioned a little bit earlier? And so I, I went back and I looked at a couple of uh, experiences that folks in our church body had had over the course of our 175-year history as a church body. And uh, and thought then about how that might fit into our present experiences and guide us in how we might respond to our present uh, situation. So I told the story uh, of our transition from German to English. As a church body, when we were founded, you know this. I mean, we're, we were the Deutsche Evangelischer Superintendentenordnung Missouri, Ohio, und You know, the German Evangelical Lutheran Synod of Missouri, Ohio, and other states. Uh, and we didn't drop the the word German until 1917, which, by the way, was not coincidental. In the mid World War One. Um, but we've dropped the word German, and then finally, kind of under duress and unhappily, we've stopped speaking German. Uh, I, always, I always kind of get a kick out of the fact that we stopped calling ourselves the German Evangelical Lutheran Synod, even while we were still speaking German most of the time. That'll solve the problem. Well, uh, in time, we transitioned to, to English. In the teens and, and 20s and then the 30s, 19-teens, 20s, 30s, as we were making this transition, uh, people didn't anticipate this coming. They kind of looked out to the future and said someday we'll probably have to do more English language work. But then the war broke out and it had to happen immediately. And so when you transition a, a you know, a, a one million plus member church body from one language to another and do so under duress in a very short period of time, that's tough. That's hard. And, and I can't imagine it, frankly because I speak English and no only English. I can read a bunch of other languages, but I, I speak English. I think in English. I dream in English. My heart language is English. And uh, so to think of making that transition from German to a new language, or, or for me, from English to a different language, being, and being forced to do so, wow, that's a big challenge. Well, that's what these folks were going through. Their whole world was disrupted. And I believe that today we are in a similar kind of disruption, not a language transition necessarily, although there are language issues that we hear about today, but we're in a cultural disruption where the church has been moved from the center of American life and accepted as an institution to now being on the margin and being questioned as to its value. It's, it's whether it actually upholds, uh, Truth, or it's merely a, a version of truth, or whatever the case might be. This is a huge shift that we're in the midst of right now. Uh, and, and, and we haven't really come to grips with that yet. This is what I said in 2019. So I said, here we are. We're in as significant a cultural, uh, sorry, uh, a, a churchly shift, uh, right now that we're dealing with, uh, as equally uh, disruptive to that of the 19-teens and 20s when we were uh, transitioning from German to English. Now, I said that in September 2019, before this thing called COVID uh, was on anybody's radar. And so I'm saying already we're disrupted. Well, I we had no clue how (laughs) disrupted we were going to be and how everything uh, was going to be affected by this global pandemic. Uh, and what then that meant for the church and how the church would engage in in, uh, those kind of circumstances as well. So we have, if you will, kind of a perfect storm of challenges that are impressing themselves upon the church right now that really call for, uh, I think, intentional engagement on our part uh, in a fearless way because we have the truth that is unchanging uh, and to to approach them with uh, with boldness and confidence, because we have the unchanging Christ with us. So that may, that doesn't quite get to the heart of your question, but it it shows you what, what's on my heart, in the in the sense of we're really we're really in an interesting time, and 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 I'm a historian, so I'm not supposed to say this is different than ever before. You know, we're we're. Just not allowed to say that as, as historians. But I will say, we are in a really unique situation as Christians today.
0: And it's certainly been much, much worse in the past. When we go back 500 years and you look at the bubonic plague and you know 30 to 50 percent of all of Europe, for instance, dying of it. You know, we're we're uh, nowhere near that. And yet, uh, people have the struggle with authorities. I mean, we people question what we hear on the news, and and rightly so, and uh, we find out that people have other motivations. So for many people, it comes down to truth. And I was thinking back to uh, the Roman governmental official Pontius Pilate making that side comment to Jesus, oh, what is truth? (laughs) So can you give our listeners uh, kind of the valuation, if you will,
2: of God's truth?
0: How, how do we know it? How do we trust it?
2: Yeah, good. Uh, again, these are great questions you're posing. Um, the, the the really, I think, unique thing uh, about truth as we have it. Well, again, I, I sound like a broken record in this regard, but I keep going back to Jesus. And, and, and our Lord says, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, a truth, a life, but the truth. And so then, having made a truth claim, if you will, for himself, uh the people of the time actually rightly said, "Well, now, wait a minute, how can this be and and of course, they were also very uh challenged by the fact that he said, you know he claimed to be God himself, I am uh and so well, how can this be and so the the question became, where do you look for the for for this kind of uh, authoritative revelation this authoritative revealing uh as to to determine whether or not this truth claim is correct and that kind of takes us back to our our reformational roots once again one of the things that martin luther emphasized over and over and over again is as wonderful as human learning is as important as it is to uh you know to to pay attention to political structures and the like as Key as all human uh, interrelationships are, in the end, there has to be some authority that speaks an unchanging truth. And and as Luther um, emphasized, that that is found in the Holy Bible, in the Scriptures themselves, because they are the Word of God. Uh, And so, in going to the Scriptures, we we contest the truth claims of Jesus, of the apostles, of the prophets, of Everything that's incorporated in that revelation, and, and look then and say, is this consistent? Does it have uh, an enduring value uh, and enduring application to the lives of human beings? And the what what the scriptures do reveal is, in fact, that they are faithful, they are true, they are accurate. Uh, and thus, they're trustworthy um, because they do come from the mouth of God Himself. They are inspired by Him. And so, for we Lutherans and and for we Christians in general, we go back to the Bible, back to the Bible, and and look for uh, uh what God has revealed regarding Himself there. And this brings us back to our earlier point once again. What do we see with respect to God? We see a loving God who seeks to restore humankind to Himself despite the fact that humankind has departed by virtue of its sin, beginning in the garden with Adam and Eve, but then repeated over and over and over by every single human being uh, in the course of history, but then repeated over and over by God in Christ in welcome, welcoming us Back to himself.
0: I'd like to appoint our listeners to our website, elmhouston.org. There you can find information about us. You can uh, find podcasts of past programming. You can link to our other uh, social media pages, and there are ways for you to contact us and also ways for you to support us financially. All your on-the-air hosts are volunteers, and so your tax-deductible donation goes far to purchase us airtime. Going back to uh, our guest, President Rastleri, uh, can you give our listeners a quick way to uh, uh, check in on what is happening there at Fort Wayne? Do you have a website?
2: And it is www.ctsfw, which stands for Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, .edu.
0: Thank you, Professor, uh, President Rast, for being with us today. Join us again real soon for another edition of Engaging Truth. God's blessings.
1: Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.